So I'd like to invite um, Mike and Colin to bring us our readings, please. This is disciples or his apprentices. So in contrast to that, I've got a short video clip now that we're going to show. And it's just a, an introduction to some of Alan Sugar's apprentices for, for this year. So if we can... Hopefully, you know, it was, I'll stop at nothing to get what I want. I'll torpedo my way to the win. I won't suffer fools. They don't really sound like the sort of comments that you would expect to hear from a disciple of Jesus. Now, I know they're not saying they're disciples of Jesus. They are contestants in a, in a game show. But if we're honest, are they the sorts of comments you would expect to hear from successful business people? You know, they're, they're trying to live up to a stereotype of of the person that they think is going to win the apprentice show. They're trying to be confident, authoritative, powerful. But is that what they came across as? It wasn't to me. So in those readings that we heard, the first reading we heard the story of Jesus picking Simon Peter to be one of his disciples. The, the same story as, as, I, as I told in, in different words at the beginning. The difference between how Alan Sugar picks his apprentices compared to how Jesus picked his is quite startling. In that first reading, if we can, if we can get it back up on there, in verse 8. So after, after Peter had caught all of the fish, he fell to his knees because he wasn't worthy. And said, go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. Feel that the the Alan Sugar's apprentices would have said that that was because of some particular business skill that they had, or some excellent insight into where the fish might be. It's a stark contrast, really, to the the bragging and backstabbing we see on the apprentice. When I when I read the accounts in the Bible of how Jesus chose his chose his disciples. One of the things that always amazes me, if we look in, in verse 11, is, is just how matter-of-factly people follow. So they pulled up their boats to shore, left everything and followed him. You know, no, no real thought. Well, perhaps they did think about it, but, but it just seems so just straightforward. And, and if we, we, we didn't have it in our reading, but in, verse, uh, in Luke 9, verses... 57 to 62, we hear that it really, Jesus really did mean everything. So it says, um, as they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus replied, foxes have dens, birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. And he said to another man, follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. And Jesus said, Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. And Jesus said, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Now these words seem really harsh, don't they? You know, can't even go and say goodbye to your father, to your family. 
But I think what Jesus is getting at really here, what he's trying to tell us is that if we want to follow him, we have to follow him. We have to want the life that he is offering us and not trying to cling on to our old lives. You know, for example, we might say, I'll go and read my Bible now for a couple of hours. But just before I go, I'll just watch a few more episodes of The Great British Bake Off. Now, there's nothing wrong with watching The Great British Bake Off. But it's just about saying, when we're going to follow Jesus, let's go and follow Jesus. Let's not put things off. Hold on to our old lives first. A less subtle example might be a repentant burglar saying, I'm going to stop breaking into houses. I'm going to follow Jesus. But I think I'll just, I'll just rob this one first before I finish. Just one more will be okay. So in, in that reading from the Bible, for me, the, the sort of best analogy bit, the bit that helped me understand was no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back. So you can sort of imagine if, you're, if your job is to plow a field, particularly in, in them days, you, know, you, would, you would need to look forward to keep that furrow straight. If you look back, you're going to veer off. It's almost impossible to look back and keep going straight. And I think that that's what he's trying to say to us. If you're going to follow, follow. Don't do it half-heartedly. Don't, don't say, I'll do it in a few weeks, a few months. Do it now. In the second reading, we heard about the calling of Philip and Nathaniel. And if we can get verses 44 and 45 on the screen... So we hear there about how Philip, as soon as, he'd met, as soon as Philip had met Jesus, he went straight to Nathanael. He went and found him and he said to him, we found the one that Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote about. So his first, his first thing was, I'm going to go and tell. I'm going to go and tell my friends. Now I've met Jesus. This is amazing. I'm going to go and tell my friends. You know, can you <clears throat> imagine if we had that excitement and that passion when we met, when we, we meet with Jesus, if we... You know, we want to go and tell somebody, go and tell our friends, tell our family. Maybe we think, well, it was easier for them. They were all kind of really religious and, you know, it, it must have been dead easy for them. It's hard for us. It's hard to, you know, you might, some people might think we're a bit weird if we say we follow Jesus. But did you notice it wasn't immediately successful in, uh, in verse 46? Nathaniel's comment was, Nazareth, can anything good come from there? So he didn't exactly get the immediate, oh yeah, you found, you found Jesus, you found the Messiah, great, let's go. You know, let's, uh, let's, just, let's just go. See, he, he, wasn't, he wasn't sold initially at all. But Philip persevered and invited Nathaniel to meet Jesus. And in the same way as can happen when we do that, you know, that, that's our job, is to, is to invite our friends. You know, we've talked about the season of, of invitation in previous years, and, you know, we can still do that now. And in the same way, our job is just to invite people. Jesus will then do the hard work. And, and in this case, so come and see, said Philip, and he went and see, and we see then, as Jesus saw Nathaniel approaching, he said of him, he truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. And again, he told Nathaniel 
that he knew who he was. He knew about him. He knew what he knew all about him. So we've seen a bit of a contrast between some of the what you might say somewhat off-putting TV apprentices, although they can be quite funny to watch, and and Jesus's disciples. Maybe, maybe there's not always a massive contrast. So as I was thinking about this, one of the, one of the sort of um, parts of the Bible that came to my mind was, was a story about um, two of Jesus' disciples. And his disciples weren't always perfect by, by any means. You know, we can all think of examples where they make mistakes, where people, Peter got out of the boat and lost his faith and, and started to sink and where where the disciples were asked to just pray for an hour while Jesus was praying and they fell asleep. Um, but these two disciples, James and John, um, Jesus called them the Sons of Thunder. That was their nickname, the Sons of Thunder. And, uh, and there was one, there's one really good part in the Bible that really helps you to understand why they got that nickname. And sometimes as we're watching and and listening, we can kind of see what's going to go wrong, but I don't think they did. So again, it was in Luke chapter 9, and uh, Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem, and they were passing through Samaria. And Jesus had sent somebody ahead to Samaria and say, I'm on my way, will you make some preparations so we've got somewhere to stay and we'll, we'll be all right. Now, Jesus was not welcome in Samaria, the Samaritans did not welcome him at all. And James and John weren't impressed at this. And they said to Jesus, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven and destroy them? Now, hopefully, most of us can recognize that that's not Jesus' way. Usually, he doesn't go about wiping out villages and towns from the face of the earth, wiping them away just because they didn't provide him with a nice cup of tea and a nice slice of cake when he was popping in on his way. It seems a bit harsh, and, and Jesus wasn't impressed, and, and it's that sort of behavior, but you know, these guys obviously had a great heart, and they had a lot of redeeming features, but sometimes, like the TV apprentices, they got things pretty wrong. So, how do we become Jesus' apprentices? Well, firstly, the good news. We've all got the job. Jesus is not going to sit there and say, you're fired. We're all, we've all got the job. We don't have to go on telly and make, our fool, make a fool of ourselves. We don't have to threaten to wipe infidels from the face of the earth or anything silly like that. We just have to be ourselves and we have to want to follow him. I remember at Spring Harvest a few years ago, there was a speaker called Steve Chalk, who who some of you may have heard of. He's he's quite a a well-known Baptist minister. In fact, he started the Oasis Academies, where uh, those of you who... um, who remember who, who know Stuart, who comes to preach here, sometimes he, he is based sort of around the, around the one in Salford. Um, and uh, 
And actually, he's, uh, he, he's, he's done some quite, quite interesting things. He, he holds the world record for the, for the most sponsorship anyone has ever got for, for an event. And he, he was sponsored um, two and a third million pounds for running the London Marathon a couple of years ago. Um, although there's many of us who are, who are world record holders, aren't there, Rachel? We, we are both world record holders. You know, it's, it's nothing really to be a world record holder. <laughs> Um, but back to the point so in that talk Steve Chalk was saying to us if you want to be a disciple or an apprentice the sign of a really good apprentice is somebody who follows so close that their clothes are covered in the dust of the master from walking you know they're walking so closely behind him that they just get covered in the dust from the feet and that image has really, really stuck with me over those, those few years. I mean, it must have been about six, seven years ago that, that I, I watched that talk. And, you know, as I've been doing my best to follow Jesus in those times, and, and man, I get it wrong at times, but that image has really stuck with me. So what do we mean? Well, so I found something online, and somebody had said to, somebody had asked a question, um, saying, well, my, my life is so busy... How am I going to find, say, two hours a day to pray, like, like I suppose, like saintly people or followers of Jesus are supposed to do? Now, that, that might be an example of what it means to follow God. And some people may be called by God to do that, to spend a lot of time in prayer. They might have a prayer ministry. And, and to, praying for two hours a day might be all or even just part of what God needs those people to do. But for others, and, and I suspect for most of us here, that's probably something slightly different that we're being asked to do. But what it will include is we need to be committed to him as our saviour and our Lord. And when we get that right, we want him to be the master of our lives rather than us trying to run our lives ourselves. We want to do things in his strength, not in our own strength. Following Christ also means that we seek to be obedient. That we acknowledge that he knows what's best for us. And he's told us something of how he wants us to live in his word, the Bible. And sometimes, for some of us, through prayer, he'll tell us when we listen. And finally, following Jesus means seeing other people through his eyes. He loved the world so much that he was willing to give his life for us. The Bible says, follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. And that was in Ephesians 5, verses 1 to 2. So that's really just my point. Whether you watch The Apprentice or not, whether you watch The Great British Bake Off or not, I recommend both, but you, <laughs> other, other shows are available. Um, but whatever we do, let's do it with a thought of what is it God is leading us to do? What is it he's asking of us? Shall we just pray?
Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your word. Thank you for the ways that you reveal yourselves to us. And I just ask you to help us all as we do our best to follow you, as we try to follow the path that you've laid out for us. Bless us and help us to see that path. In Jesus' name, amen.